Because Jared, I, I shortened the intro a little bit. So if people are used to how fast they, how many times they fast forward, they're gonna have to go backwards now because it's a little bit, a little bit shorter now. They're definitely gonna be caught off guard. Caught off guard. Uh, make a couple tweaks there. Uh, we have outro music now. Can, can I put the back part of the song on the outro? Um, it's a miracle. We've made it about 600 shows, and I have yet to misspeak my ending line in all 600 of them, which seems impossible <laughs> that yeah. I would not have just crisscrossed those words somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and now with an outro, uh, my perfect record stays perfect. So that's really what matters in the grand scheme of things. I completely agree. Anything that we can say that you were perfect on for 600 or so episodes, uh, definitely yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It might be like one of my greatest accomplishments. Yeah. Um, six and three last week. Nice little 22% ROI. Oh, yeah. uh, things seem to be rolling along. Uh, overall, it was not as good of a week in college football as it was NFL. And I need, I want to make sure I say that because there's a lot of you viewers watching the show and not watching the NFL show. And if you just hate the NFL, that's fine. Um, but uh, Cousin Jared, uh, you've not been an NFL guy. And the NFL yeah. model has been was so incredible in yeah. week two. It showed the promise in week one, but you know, kind of – you know, feeling out exactly what we're doing. And then week two was incredible. And I'm, I'm turning you into an NFL guy. Uh, so wh what do you have to say to someone who's watching this video, who's used to college football, loves college football, and hasn't dabbled in the NFL yet, but you're like, hey, I, you might want to check it out because it's doing pretty good. You know, what, what do you say to those people? Uh, what I would say to those people is, so the benefits of a player-based model in the NFL seem to be coming through. And part of the problem with college football is just there's so many teams so many depth charts, so much data, uh, only, you know, you can only find so much of it and what percent of it is actually accurate. Things change all the time. The NFL is like the exact opposite. There's 30 something teams. Yeah. There's 50 something players on each one. They all have to have injury designations. And so it, they, the fact that they have to see the, the injury update stuff really yeah. is a whole game changer because college is sometimes real tough to figure some of this stuff out. Yeah. And so I think that's been really good. You know, like we talked about the other day, like the Dolphins uh, money line kept going down. And I was like, why is the money line going down? And it's, well, it's because one of their uh, starting offensive tackles yeah. what was, was out. And so that moved the line a little bit. So um, there's just a lot more information out there. NFL, I think, is going to be a lot more variable because, you know, less – college kickers and all sorts of things like that, which, you know, there are some NFL kicker situations, especially since they moved the extra couples yeah, uh, back. Uh, and that, that block, the, 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 was that an extra point block that or a field goal? Block? Field goal. Yeah. And they tried it again. And I think he missed it. Cause the guy coming, uh, Bill Belichick, just, if yeah. you didn't think you, you could, he's kind of a weird guy for sure. And, and yeah. he, he's got a weird group of friends. I feel like, um, yeah. you know, but, Man is a genius. I mean, that was yeah. you can't you can hate the guy all you want, and sure, like no no complaints here. I don't yeah, I don't, I don't really care, but like for whatever, but like man, that field goal play it's just incredible. And it's like at some point teams I think are gonna start like knowing about that and they're going mm -hmm. to the holder's gonna have to do like it's almost gonna be like a silent snap count like he's gonna have to have like two signs it's gonna be like pitchers you have to have like a yeah. sign to the center so that they can time that and make sure it doesn't get you know they, yeah. that he can't time off the holder but um gosh yeah that was incredible <laughs> yeah so uh, anyway i've really enjoyed nfl not only because it has uh you know been been doing well um so far this season uh but just kind of a little change up something different like you can only talk about your fantasy team like so often um and, and keep a good conversation most people don't care yeah yeah a lot of people don't care but hey you can yeah. talk about oh yeah the stupid kicker you know so yeah we blame him because we we lost our play for whatever reason so yeah, yeah I, i've i've enjoyed it more than i thought i would so far this season and of course i've got yeah. you and jake walking me through it Every, yes. you know, Tuesday night, the video go up and, you know, yep. watch it on Wednesday sometime. Jake uh, nailing some of the additional beyond the A grade. I think the A grade totals went 4-0. The A grade sides went, I don't know, probably undefeated as well. I feel like in week two. And and then Jake Jake coming in clutch, deciding, like I said, I give you all some, some, some you know, creative control here, picking out some B and C grade winners as well was, uh, mm -hmm. was clutch. The, the, the fun thing, and I've done, it's pretty similar for NFL and college. I have built the program that automates the depth chart, what I think the depth chart should be based off how I grade each player. Obviously there's going to be some differences. Coaches are going to use guys a little bit differently, but I think that's kind of rounding error because I think what will happen is if I think a guy's better and he's playing a different guy, well, maybe that guy is actually a little bit worse. The other guy's a little better. So it probably kind of comes out in the wash for the mm -hmm. most part. So I automate that. I've brought in some injury stuff to automate um, as much as possible. The Cowboys have an, 
have a tough one for me there because they have two um, players with the same first initial and last name on the offensive line. And that kind of makes it a little bit harder to automate some of that. But other than like that situation, we've got a lot of it automated. And so it's, it's like I said, it's very similar in both. Um, of course, then there's some differences in, in you know, some of the weeds of, of how the game's a little bit different, but um, the player base system works really well here. And it's funny with the NFL, you take out a really key guy and could be a point or two. Um, Nick Chubb going out here tonight for Cleveland actually is about three. And that's like the highest I would have, I would have never thought a running back would be that high. Right. Because I don't think very highly of his backup. His backup had an incredible run here uh, just a minute ago. Uh, so his grade will probably go up. But uh, otherwise, it's nice to kind of have an idea. And there's some guys that go out and it's not really a big deal. It's not that the player's not good, it's the backups, you know, not that far behind them. Right. Um, but you know, having that in the NFL is so key. And that's, and I, I mentioned that I think yesterday, why I didn't dabble in the NFL for a while because I was like, I have to have that injury information. Because otherwise, I don't know who what injury matters what injury doesn't based off the the backups of the depth chart situation so having that built in has been so clutch i do the same thing for college for college it doesn't matter as much there's a few situations but it's not i mean that the it's just you know you end up because the talent doesn't spread itself out as much because the age range you know you don't have any guys who are 29 and just literally men among boys type thing in in college or the 29 year olds are the guys who are punters or (laughs) <laughs> you know, whatever that sort of thing. Yeah. BYU, maybe that's why they've had an advantage at times because they've had some older players. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in college, obviously the quarterback part matters. And we're going to talk about a couple of those quarterbacks here today. Uh, I'm going to give you all a little bit of tease like I did in baseball about what the benefits of being on Dub Club are, all the information that we're providing you. Uh, but without further ado, we'll get right to here. No Friday games or Thursday games to discuss. Again, all that information, though, on Dub Club. We're going to first kick it off with Army. And Syracuse, because Jared Army was so good to us. Yes, very good. Money line winner. um, Helped a little bit that Frank Harris was out. Uh, I think that Mm -hmm. line was too high either way. We talked about it in the opening, way high, got driven down. He comes out, the line that was still valued. I tweeted about this. Uh, There was still value once he went out, that that game, once he went out, was getting close to a pick him according to sideline. And that's about how it played out. Tight contest, a good game. According to the post-game win expectancy, UTSA played a little better. Of course, UTSA got lucky with that Hail Mary. And that's kind of what we said was it should be a pretty tight-ish contest. And, it, it, you know, we weren't that sold on UTSA. The Army's decent, had a shot to pull it off. Now they're going to travel and have a tougher contest going to a Syracuse team that I've got number 33. And Cousin Jared, I have to tell you, I am very high on the Syracuse team. I think mm-hmm. they might even be better than the model thinks they are. They've looked really good so far. Dino Babers there. Mm-hmm has had a couple years where he's had some really good teams had a couple years where they've struggled a little bit, but he's had some years where they've been pretty solid. It's a very tough place to play notoriously there in the carrier dome. We liked army last week. Model says Syracuse by 18 and a half though. So we've got a B grade Mm -hmm. plan Syracuse uh, lane 13 and a half. I like that. It's on this side of 14 as impressive as army was. I think they're just a little bit out of their league here playing Syracuse. What are your thoughts on this one? As somebody who probably watched every Johnny Menzel home game in person, I was having Johnny Menzel flashbacks watching Garrett Schrader just shred the Purdue defense Mm -hmm. this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And you talked about Frank Harris being out with that UTSA Army game this past week. Uh, Unfortunately for Army, Garrett Schrader will be playing. In, yeah. in this game. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for their defense to do anything um, to, to um, stop him. You might in this game, you, if, if I'm army, I'm thinking we've opened up the offense a little bit more this year. We're, we're still running the triple option. They're still, they're still running the ball. Uh, I believe I was, I looked this up 70 upper 70% of the time. They're still yeah. running the ball a lot. <laughs> they're still running it a lot. But to keep Schrader off the field, you may want to go like as far back to your roots as you possibly can. You may want to get to, I think Air Force is at 94% this season. They may want to get to those Air Force levels. Yeah, because that's <laughs> really be short in this game. That's going to be the, your best defense in this game is keeping Schrader on, on the sidelines for sure. Um, so, and I'm, I'm interested in Syracuse because I thought they were onto something. They took Virginia's offense coordinator from two years ago, brought him in last year, and their offense was fine and and then he left 
reunited with Brendan Armstrong in North Carolina State. North Carolina State offense hasn't been anything to to write home about. And it's now been, we, we thought it would, off- we thought it was going to be better, and it's been yeah. And but now Syracuse's offense is humming again. So now I have questions about that. You know that offense coordinator quarterback pairing at North Carolina State. But yeah, anyway, I think the Syracuse is just too good offensively, and unless Army does something, you know, possesses the ball for thirty-five to forty minutes of this yeah. game, I think that uh, Syracuse can can cover this number. And, and they did that against UTSA. They they held the ball for over, I think, 40 yeah. minutes. It was an incredible yeah. amount of time. It's just – and I think they're going to kind of be able to do the same things. I think Syracuse, when they get the ball, I think they're going to score pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Syracuse defense a little bit better than UTSA's, though. And I think that's um, the difference. I think uh, the game location, again, here is a much tougher place to play. No offense to UTSA. They've been a great story. I just think it's it's tough to play Syracuse. Um yeah. Following up there on a couple points, talk about Syracuse Purdue. We had that as an A grade winner last week. Uh, and you're right, Syracuse just looks so good. I've got Garrett Schrader as the number 15th ranked quarterback mm. right now, and he's climbing. He could easily be top 10 here in, a, in about a month if he keeps playing well. Uh, and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of good college quarterbacks right now. And I'm not sure how many of these guys are going to, you know, make the NFL. You know, it's not obviously that easy, but uh, we got a bunch of good college quarterbacks here. So 15th, I think, is. Um, not very, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I think, uh, pace yeah. wise, pretty average. Maybe both these teams a little bit below average army. That is much below as you would think. Uh, they are again, going to try to possess the ball for a long time, but, um, you've got Syracuse who has a, uh, deficient de- defensive efficiency against the run ranked 31, according to model yeah. triple options, obviously not the easiest thing to defend. They're still running a little bit of that. That's, Tough, but Syracuse here, uh, it's a team we've been high on, and there's no reason not to continue to back them. Yep. 12 p.m. Eastern, Virginia Tech at Marshall. And uh, this game might not be the prettiest from an aesthetic perspective here. You can see not a single number there in the triple digits on the <laughs> offensive and defensive grades. And those grades, 100 is average. Higher means more points. So if your defense you want lower, if you're off at your hand, those are pace adjusted. And I think that's the key thing to talk about this. Virginia Tech's pace ranks 114th. Marshall's pace ranks 126. That's pace slash explosiveness. It's, it's about one third how fast you go, about one third how quickly you can score, about one third how quickly you can allow other people to score. Um, so it's, it's, it's not completely exactly pace, but both these teams are very slow, methodical type teams. And you can see that in those grades. The offense is not as bad as they look there, but when you go that slow, you just don't get a lot of points. And that's mm-hmm. what matters when you're betting a total. We're going to go under 41. Model says 40. It's so only a small model edge. Uh, a bunch of A-grade totals over there for you on Dub Club. Because of Jared, we want to make sure we talk about the non-A-grades. The A-grades are the ones we know we're going to play. Yep. I want to talk here about what are the um, totals that are not the A grades that we want. And this is one you've identified as even though it's a small model edge, you really like this under 41. I have to assume it has to do with a lot of this being a boring football game, but I'm curious to hear more. Yeah. So number one, I would say, look at Virginia Tech's offensive rating 90. I don't know where that rates on power five offenses. It is not high up there it is what I would say. Virginia Tech's, yeah, Virginia Tech's offense leaves a little bit to be desired. And I know, and I, we neglected to mention, this is the Grant Wells uh, Bowl second, yep. second year, I think, at, at Virginia Tech. Started out his career at Marshall. Uh, unfortunately, Virginia Tech, the best year of his career was his freshman year at, at Marshall and then hasn't yeah. quite been able to replicate yeah. that. Um, so yeah, offensively, Virginia Tech isn't much to write home about, but man, look at that Marshall defense in 86. I mean, is there a? I'm, I'm sure there probably is. I, I not can't think of what it is off the top of my head, but is there a non-power five unit that has a grade uh, that grades out that well, either on offense or or defense? That's really. And if you talk, it. if you talk long enough, I maybe can give you the answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep keep having here. And again, I know that, and if I'm right in saying that metric is pace adjusted. Uh, that pace adjusted. Yeah. So, so pace adjusted. So again, that, that helps a little bit there. Uh, but anyway, that's just really impressive. One of these teams is not going to score. If you like force me to tell you, I don't know which one is not going to score, but one of these teams is not going to score very much. So, um, we gave this a C grade at, at under 41, but it's 
one of my favorite totals on the board this this weekend. Getting it at 41, uh, 41 is one of the key numbers when you get down into the to lower 40s. It's 44 is the most key, and then 41 is the, the second most. So um, obviously you would love something higher than this, but this number is not going to go go up. So I would say do not hesitate. Uh, grab this at, at 41, uh, you know, if you were like, oh, I'm going to wait for 41 and a half. Well, you get to 40 and a half, and that's a much worse situation than getting a uh, mm. push at, at 41. So mm. I would say just go ahead and grab this. I don't see any way that this is going to go up. Fantastic insight from you there uh, on the number there. That's always always love when you can give us that analysis on the key numbers of points or totals. It's not something that people know quite as much about. We all know about three and seven, right, that, et cetera. Yep. Uh, we all know not to tease through zero, right, because of the value there, but the, the total's a little bit different. Uh, Tulane has the highest rated um efficiency defense of the non-power five according uh to sideline they are ranked 44th uh marshall ranks 53rd so uh, when the best group of five is 44th or nine spots behind that it was tough for my eyeballs to go through that because there are a lot of teams that are ahead of Tulane at 44 that were not power five teams recently yeah. but now are um but uh, that's why they're power five now because right. the cincinnati's of the world the byus of the world etc like it's central florida's of the world like these are teams that have been very good that's why they got the invite of course to go to the power five um yep. but marshall again like you said a really good defense and you take that pace Tulane plays a little bit faster pace so you expect on on average, Marshall to allow fewer points per game because of that pace, even though they're not quite as efficient. On yeah. It's still a very good defense, though. Um, and I'm like you, it's one of those where this is going to be a relatively tight game. One of these schools probably struggles to get past 10 points, right? And yeah, I don't know which definitely. one it is. Yeah. Uh, but with the pace and with these defenses here, or the lack of offense under 41 is a pretty smart pick. Uh, going to do a little bit of a whiplash for you here and go the other direction. Uh, 12 p.m., Eastern SMUTC, the battle for the iron skillet. And we are running out of how many iron skillets will be awarded going forward. We don't know if this is going to continue. There's been a bunch of trash talking back and forth between these DFW schools, one a D school, one an FW school. Um, overall, though, I don't think the difference between these two teams is that big. TCU played for a national championship last year, lost a lot in the quarterback who is kind of their miracle worker. They won a bunch of close games. They were not the second best team in the country last year. I don't think anybody would have argued that they did play for the title. They did win some games. That was good. But I don't think anybody would have said they were the second best mm -hmm. team, um, you know, probably closer to 10th or so losing a little bit, um, dropping out. SMU has been a solid team. This should be a reasonably close game. TCU is at home. They're favored. They should be favored. Uh, I don't think the spread really has much to offer, but we're going to try to get another over, in one of these high scoring games row for two in these. And so I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Part of that was we tried Houston both times. Maybe we just don't think Houston's offense is very good. We'll talk about Houston later on. TCU tried to do their part last week to get that game over. Uh, it was a wonky game too. There were a lot of field goals in the first half, a couple uh, red zone turnovers, just some weird things happening in that game. SMU's offense a little bit better than Houston. The pace of these two teams is where it's at SMU ranks 20th TCU 23rd we're projecting 65.2 points we're going to go over 64 another kind of quasi key number as key as it can be there in the 60s cousin Jared why are we confident that this one can get over um when the last two times we've tried to go over on show with a big number it hasn't quite worked out for us well, you've been leading the charge on, on this one. We had the over in that TCU-Houston game, and there should have been, I think I'm quoting you directly here, 100 points in the first half. It, I, I think I meant 50, because yeah. I really think there should have been 50. I mean, I, yeah. when you watch that first half, there were so many field goals and red zone turnovers. It was crazy. Yeah, and so you you uh, there there were multiple games last week where I think about – that, that game specifically, I feel like we were on the right side on the yeah. over there. Um, the Colorado-Colorado State game, I felt like we were on the right side mm. on the under there. We had the two defensive touchdowns early in the game. Then it went and, to yeah, overtime. And, and overtime. And yeah, yeah. we were fine until and we were fine if, if Colorado doesn't hit that two-point conversion. Yep. And, and so Despite we were on the right the side there. We were, me personally, I think we were on the right side of the Kansas-Nevada. Oh, we had over uh, in, in that game and just – you know, I couldn't it was 13 points there. Yeah. 13 points in the first half and then like 35 or yeah. like 38 or something in the second half. So anyway, yeah. um, so what I'm saying is you have to look at TCU's TCU's game last week and be like, okay, we lost the over there, but I don't feel like we were on the wrong side. Let's talk about SMU for a second. Mm -hmm. I 
we were on the SMU under a couple of weeks ago when they played at Oklahoma. It seemed like, hey, this might be a spot where Brent Venables easy is flexing his flexing his special. Yes, very, very easy. And we had the SMU under the week before that against Louisiana Tech. Yes, uh, and Louisiana Tech's garbage. And but the problem is is that uh, TCU's uh, defense, I think, uh, maybe more Louisiana Tech mm. than mm. Oklahoma. Mm. And I, I'm not look at that, that grade. But, Some of that's yeah. pace, but my goodness. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Uh, I mean, both SMU and TCU being uh, below average to well below average on on defense, and so this is just one of those things. I think there is going to be a lot of points, and if I recall correctly, this game got pretty crazy last season. I think this game can al- always gets a little crazy. Yeah, and, and it's, so- a, it's a it's a very it's a very intense rivalry. How do I say this without offending anybody? Uh, between a bunch of rich <laughs> yeah. loyal brats. Um, yeah. I say this as a Baylor alum, so I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you come at me in the comments, whatever. But um, <laughs> it is what it is, and it's a it's a fierce rivalry. These two schools do not like each other, and they both were part of the Southwest Conference. They both got left out in the you know first align realignment 1.0. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, or 2.0, I guess, maybe right after the SEC happened, I guess was when the Big 12 happened. And uh, they've both been dying to get back in. SMU is so ha- dying to get back in it that they're like, we don't even need your money. We, we're yeah. going to we, we're gonna go out and raise $100 million in seven days because we don't need yeah. stupid television money because we want to be with the big boys. TCU's been yeah. long trying to do it and took a, quite a winding path <laughs> to get back to it. And yeah. uh, I mean, they just do not like each other. So yeah, this game can get, can get wild. Yep. Yep. Uh, definitely. It, it could. And so uh, anyway, just I think there's going to be a dearth of defense in, in this game. And again, focus on like, especially with TCU last week, like focus on the process, not necessarily the result. And it was one of those where I still feel like we we're on the right side last week. So don't be put off by, you know, missing on the over on TCU last weekend. A couple of things to point out. Uh, part of the defensive grades, of course, are are pace related. I mean, there's really no other way around it than that, but TCU's is really concerning to be that far off. Uh, SMU's really only drops into the triple digits because of the pace. Um, mm. TCU's is questionably that anyway, um, you know, right around average. And again, average across all teams is not good for a power five team. Um, right. So yeah, TCU's defense, definitely a big concern. I think it's interesting. SMU, you know, we had two really easy unders. And so we always talk about this when the model kind of flips its direction from mm-hmm. what it's been doing based off the market. Uh, what does that tell you? And, and I think it's, I think it's the flip here because TCU and you say, well, how did they not flip against Oklahoma? And it's like that. The problem is that total was set so high because Oklahoma yeah. can score, but um, Oklahoma's just not quite the same as TCU. Oklahoma's still got a better defense than TCU yep. and, and, and Oklahoma's got a better offense, but that was just a different set of, different set of players, different, different situation, different number, right? Yep. It's all about the number and, and that game went way under it. Probably on average, that was probably was pretty an outlier, a, a fairly outlier occurrence to have only, probably, I think, 35 points yeah. or so. And that game, that wasn't what we would have expected. They played that game 10 more times. They probably get more than that every single one of them, right? So yeah. um, I, I think there's a lot of things you could talk about with this game between what happened last week, TCU Houston, what happens with a couple of these SMU unders. But the point remains, that's why we don't get too carried away with one um, observation, one reality. We talk about the long term, and that's why um, we're modeling this out using more than that data from last year from these players, and that's why it's a player-based model. They move, right? And, and, and yep. the talent on the field is these teams are pretty good on offense, questionable on defense, and they're going to run a lot of plays, and maybe those lot of plays go nowhere. Maybe those lot of plays lead to a lot of field goals, and that's what got us in Houston TC was field goals and turnovers, yep. and that might happen, right? There are no locks in gambling, but over 64 uh, we think a pretty smart investment there. And again, here's your little uh, preview of uh, what you can get on Dub Club. Here's the cheat sheet for college football. Again, if you're with us on Dub Club, you can just fast forward until you see the yellow slide pop up again. If you're not, you can pause, you can zoom in, um, but you can see there on screen what we've got win probability, what the price should be. Uh, added it for NFL. I need to add it here for college what the A grade threshold would be. That's also in the picture that the A grade threshold, the B grade threshold. So you see that 
as well on Dub Club what the model thinks the spread should be quarterback information. You can see right here, um, you know, two decent quarterbacks, how many points they're getting for that, the pace adjusted, the efficiency ratings, the positional groups, the pass blocking, the run blocking, projected score, all sorts of stuff right here uh, over on Dub Club. So if you're not with us, that sign-up link's in the show description. And if you're with us, uh, you know, and you, you just listen to my voice for a few more seconds or you fast-forward it, so either way. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, BYU, Kansas, one of those games you talked about, you know, mm. kind of the right idea, and it just didn't quite get there for us against the BYU team. I couldn't tell you which one's better. I've got them 49 and 48, um, according mm. to my model. Very different styles. Kansas yeah. doing it with, uh, you know, going to put up a lot of points, questionable defense, going to play fast. Uh, BYU kind of more of a traditional run-of-the-mill, decent offense, decent defense, not going to play too fast or too slow, just very different. You know, maybe a little faster than average, but they're not going at the speed Kansas is, whose pace and explosion right. rate's number six. And it's, again, defensive exp explosion, too. It's pretty easy to score quickly on Kansas. I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that Kansas barely beat Nevada, mm -hmm. Nevada team uh, that lost by 20 some odd points to Idaho. Now I think Idaho is actually pretty good. Uh, I think they're one of the stronger FCS schools. I mean, the playoffs last year, they're ranked. They're in a very difficult conference for FCS, but I, Nevada looked better. Mm -hmm against Kansas, but you can't just say we're, we're 20 points worse against uh, even a good FCS school. And magically now we can hang with Kansas. Like Nevada, Nevada feels like they're an FCS school, but they're in the mountain West. I mean, well, I'm not going to let you besmirch my mountain West like, like this, even though they are down, um, <laughs> which, you know, if you want to look at some futures, no, they look pretty good last week actually I think. Yeah, they, did, they did look good mm -hmm. if you're looking at some futures markets though air force to win the mountain west i mean mm. i don't feel like anybody mm. else is wanting to win the mountain mm. mountain west this year mm. anyway, but i digress mm. anyway nice little sneaking that one in there on us uh yeah. anyway yeah. i say all that to say i'm high on kansas i'm really high on kansas they're a very good team got them top 50 they're well coached uh mm. excitement mm -hmm. around that school and that program as a big 12 fan i'm here for it uh as much fun as it is when kansas is terrible and you get that automatic w on your schedule I think Kansas is a great story. I'm well behind it. I'm not trying to insult them whatsoever. I am saying that uh, that last week was concerning. You have to be a little concerned. Mm -hmm. um, BYU played a pretty good game last week against Arkansas, an Arkansas team that I'm not sure they're going to you know, compete for the SEC championship at this point, but Arkansas is not a bad team, no. right? No. And uh, no. uh, it, my, my point being, I, I'm not sure which team's better. Kansas should be favored because they're at home. I know that crowd will be very excited uh BYU is a tough team to beat though and, and I don't know who wins this game I also don't know why we're getting nine and a half points um uh, completely that's my question here so that's what we're gonna do is we're gonna grab all these points anything north of a touchdown offers pretty good value in my opinion uh yep. cousin Jared what's your take on this one I I know that uh professor you're a fan of the money lines uh I I know that you know you believe in you know, your abilities with probabilities and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't pass up getting yeah. nine and a half points. This, this seems ridiculous when uh, it opened, this opened up at eight and I was like, uh, sure, I'll take eight. And then it kept going up and I was like, is somebody severely injured for BYU? I really could not figure out what it was and did my quick research, could not find anything of note that, that would, would make me think that this is weird. I mean, of course, back-to-back -back road games uh, for for BYU going to Arkansas to Kansas. I mean, yeah, that's a tough two-game stretch uh, for sure. Um, but yeah. I couldn't see anything here that that I, I just I don't I don't understand. And like, especially when you saw what you saw with Kansas against Nevada last week, and even before what we saw with them, like Kansas's defense is just not good. And, and so I think any team is going to be able it, to keep it close for sure. I think we would be remiss. We didn't talk about last year's Kansas team because they look pretty similar so far. That's our mm -hmm. league. But uh, yeah. last year's Kansas team was a great story as well. And they had a couple of really good games. Uh, they had a couple of games where they just could not stop anybody. Mm -hmm. And they countered that with a really good offense. Uh, their pace-adjusted offense ranks number eight. They're not the eighth-best efficient offense, but 
pace adjusted offense top 10 for Kansas. Like I'm giving all the credit in the world to their offense. It's just that defense is a problem. And BYU is just a team that last year, I think struggled with all their wide receivers being hurt and and they're Mm -hmm. having some wide receiver issues again, but uh, you know, not quite to the same extent last year. So not going to quite rely on them. Slovis is nothing special. I've got him ranked 50th. Um, just a run of the mill, decent, you know, power five quarterback, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he's not as good as Jalen Daniels. Kansas definitely has a better quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. but there's more to it than that. And, and that's the bottom line to me is that um, Kansas might win easily by three, four, six or seven. <laughs> and we've won this bet. So I don't know why we're getting so many points here. Maybe somebody knows something that, that we don't with regards to the injury. We did look, we did, we, we, we looked on Twitter. We looked on the internet. We looked everywhere we could find and can't find anything significant. That's not already built in. There are injury reports already built in to the model, but nothing that we couldn't find that would matter. Even if Slovis is out, that would probably only drop the projection about three ish points. Cause he's not that good. The guy they've got as their backup uh, ranked as the number one Juco transfer last year. So even if you drop about three more points, I'd still think on the north side of seven is still too many. You talked about the money line. I do think it's worth a sprinkle on the money line. Right now, we don't have any money lines for Saturday games on bet online. So we're not actually doing any money lines in this show. Um, but we have been, you and I have been discussing where do we draw that line between money line and points? Where do we kind of flip the switch? Uh I kind of suggested seven or seven and a half. I think cousin Jen, you like seven and a half. I, I think that's fine as well. Where we kind of say, hey, if it's above that, let's just take the points and not get too greedy. Below that, let's work on the probabilities, the money lines, because that's where we're going to get some extra value because people can't do math and I can. And so I'm going to help us make money yeah. by just doing math, right? It's, it's that yeah. simple. And so uh might be worth a sprinkle on the money line here, but also like anything north of seven. It just let's just grab the points. It's gonna be a wild game, gonna be lots of points because Kansas yep. is involved and um, hard, you know, hard to think that BYU can't keep pace because Kansas just let Nevada keep pace. And I know it was one game. I, I don't want to overreact, but I, I don't want to underreact either. I want to try to find that right balance. And when you look at last year's, you kind of say it's more of the same thing. Their defense doesn't look like it got magically better. It's yep. still going to show the offense. Great defense questionable. BYU, like I said, just ho-hum. I mean, nothing really to say. Just they're a decent football team. Yep. And decent football teams – tend to be able to hang around with other decent football teams. That's kind of my thought. So BYU plus nine and a half, a B grade pick, which takes us to Ole Miss and Alabama. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not dropping any hot takes here, people. So don't, don't stick around for the hot takes. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I can talk without it being a hot take. I mean, yeah. number one, Alabama sideline ranks number 11. First time they've not been top ten in my rankings. Um, and la- what was I last like the first time they weren't top five? Maybe. Yeah, last week was the first time they weren't top five. Now we're not even top ten. Yeah. Um, they have problems. They had problems last year. They had Bryce Young last year, who solves a lot of those problems. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think Milrow's a bad quarterback. Um, he's just not Bryce Young. And yep. that's the thing is that I he's don't not, think we, he's, he's not Tua. He's not, he's not Mac Tua. Jones. He's not, Mac, no. he's, he's, he's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not even, Sims. even, even Alabama Jalen Hurts would have been okay on this team. Of course, right out Oklahoma Jalen Hurts would have been totally fine, and, right? and, and specifically the combination of Jalen Hurts with Lane Kiffin at the time, yeah. like, yeah, who I think Lane Kiffin knows a thing or two about offense. Like looking back on it, I think that's right. Yes, yeah. I, you said you weren't going to give any hot takes either, and here we yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think Milrose bad. I've got him ranked sixty fifth, but the sixty fifth best quarterback is quite a drop off from. I don't know if Bryce Young was number one last year, but he was definitely top five. And so you've lost a lot at the quarterback position, and I don't think we realize just how much Bryce Young masked the issues that the offensive line has that the receivers have that the running game has just him being so dangerous makes teams treat everybody else a little bit different, allows them to run the ball better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They couldn't really defend the deep ball last year. They can't defend the deep ball. Now Um, that hasn't changed. What's changed is the, the offense, the defense has questions last year. They still have questions. The offense was fine last year because Bryce showing it's not fine. Now Uh, Ole Miss, I think they can throw the deep ball. 
mm-hmm. I think they're going to challenge Alabama's defense. Yep. Um, Ole Miss has got a pretty good defense. Yep. And I haven't really seen anything out of Alabama this year. I mean, and I've got, we've got priors on this thing. And I want to make sure people understand that we're not just using this year's data. We're looking at these players from last year. These priors help us to not overreact early on. But you can't feel confident in what Alabama is going to offer. And I get that they last week was a trap game playing in bad weather. So I want to caveat that. Make sure you, because mm-hmm. if someone wants to comment about this, if you're an Alabama fan, right? I, here I'm saying it, right? Trap game, terrible weather. You just came off of Texas and now, and you had Ole Miss next week. I get that. Uh, what I don't get is they just still look like they aren't that good at football um, relative to what we're used to seeing from Alabama. Um, model says Alabama should be a four and a half point favorite, that they're a little bit better. I don't know why we're getting a touchdown here with Ole Miss. I think grab the seven. Uh, same as the last game. I think sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I'm not sure Ole Miss can go in there and pull it off. That's why it's just a sprinkle. But can Ole Miss mm-hmm. hang in there and, and lose by one score? Absolutely. I think that's very reasonable. Uh, on top of the chance that they, they win it outright, too. Cousin Jared, what is your non-hot take thoughts on this one? Okay. So, uh, I mean, okay, I feel like you said most of it all, most everything right there. Alabama just does not look great offensively. We talked a lot about the quarterback. Offensive line uh, doesn't seem like they have protected very well at times, which that may be the most damning thing about them on Mm. offense this season is maybe one of these quarterbacks could improve if they could get some some better protection maybe. Um, So it's, it's not just one thing, but definitely from what you've seen so far this season, this isn't something that's going to be fixed in one week when you're starting a quarterback this week, who I, I think Milrose the best quarterback yeah, right now, but at the same time, didn't even play last week against yeah. South Florida in a game that was definitely in question all the way up until almost the, the bitter end. So something there's, there's just something off with Alabama right now. And it doesn't seem to me like something that's going to be fixed in a week. And then you layer on the fact that it's Lane Kiffin, he, he's not scared. You know that he's going to have his team ready to play. Kiffin's already instigating things, basically saying that they're preparing for another defensive coordinator because they could tell by how the defensive schematics were and how they were being called that they think that they made a change on who was calling plays on defense. And he's stirring the pot. Nick Saban has said that's not the case. And then Kiffin basically said, well, everybody knows everybody around here. And basically, like, I can tell from looking at the defense and you he didn't say this specifically, but like, I've got friends there that tell me, tell me what's going on. So anyway, he's, he's, you know, <laughs> stir, stirring the pot as, as he likes to do, of course, caveating the whole thing with saying, I didn't mean to stir anything up. You asked me the question and he just answered it. it anyway. Is that not the biggest <laughs> real life version of Will Ferrell in Talladega Night say with all due respect? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and so anyway, uh, it's it's I think it's gonna be a good close game. I, I think Ole Miss. You mentioned their defense. I think it's a little bit underrated, and I just don't think that these Alabama defense these Alabama issues are going to be fixed in, in one week. Uh, so I, I will talk about the total here. It's not something that we had had planned. I, I feel like I can talk about the total. Uh, sideline says this total spot on. It's widely available at fifty five. Mm-hmm. Sideline basically says it should be fifty five, unless Jackson Dart. Uh, turns into Quinn Ewers of Oklahoma and, you know, that plays well against Oklahoma and Alabama. I, I think it's going to be hard for this game to get to 55. So sideline doesn't say there's an edge there. If I had to lean one way or the other, I would lean towards the under just because. This game, this game got to 54 last year and Bama, not only Bryce Young, but, you know, Gibbs was the running back too. It's better than the running yeah. backs this year. I mean, it, it, yeah. And, and, and Texas only, Texas only rushed for about a hundred yards in that game against Alabama. And I promise you, Ole Miss is going to rush. Well, I can't promise you they're going to rush for more than 100 yards. The Alabama defense is still really good. But they're, they're I, gonna I, I would yeah, I would say that Ole Miss is probably going to be more committed to the run than what, yeah. what Texas was, which, you know, Texas, I mean, you were throwing deep bombs. I mean, who cared? Do, do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Ole Miss is going to run the ball a little bit more and shorten the game up a little bit more than what that Texas game was. So anyway, and sideline says there's no edge. I would lead under. You, you brought it up. I have to point out we we had a nice fade of Texas again, A grade, taking Wyoming last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, it's as simple as uh, Quinn Ewers uh, fade him against everybody but 
uh, Alabama and Oklahoma because he just shows up against them. He can throw the deep ball. And otherwise, he looks terrible. He looked terrible last week again. So, um, yep. plus 550 on the Heisman. Uh, he will get invited if Texas goes undefeated because that's what happens. You invite the quarterback yeah. to be a team. Um, but my goodness, he is going to have to figure out how to, he's going to have to, you know, paint the other team's, uh, you know, decals on, on, on the helmet or something and, and trick himself into thinking it's OU or, or, or Alabama. Yeah. Um, that, that aside, of course, a uh, couple things just to point out here to wrap us up, according to the model pace wise, you do have faster teams, Ole Miss 26, uh, Alabama 47, but of course, uh, defense reigns supreme here. Ole Miss, like you said, underrated defensive efficiency against the pass, 14 against the run, 17. Alabama mm-hmm. against the pass, five and against the run, 11, which is kind of crazy. Their defensive, defensive efficiency, you Usually is top five, right? Uh, but they are just uh, again, like I said, their defense has some questions. I had some questions last year. Give a lot of points. Uh, it's doing the same thing uh, this year. Ole Miss ranks number three at running back. So, like you said, they are going to. They've got talent there at the yeah. running back position, and so they're going to try to run the ball. Jackson Dart ranks number twenty-two. Very good passer. Uh, it's obviously hard to pass for too much against Alabama unless you're hitting those deep balls, but mm-hmm. uh, he can do it. So, um, I don't know what to make of this game. I don't know what to expect uh, if Bama comes back and looks better. I wouldn't be overall surprised, but I think this line seems like what I would have set it at before South Florida happened Mm. because Mm. maybe even before Texas happened, because I think this whole mess team is good and Lane Kiffin there Mm. that gets weird and he knows about the number, right? We've seen this before from Lane Kiffin and he's going to, what was the the game here in the NFL? uh, The Rams game where it's like try to cover at the end, like, guarantee you if there's 30 seconds left and Alabama's up by, you know, nine or whatever, last play, the same thing, he's going to get a field goal to cover, right? Or yeah. he's going to go yeah. for whatever it is stupid, right? So I don't know. I, it just feels too high. Uh, model agrees with that. So plus seven there. Uh, sticking with the theme of whiplash, let's go from what should be a really fun game to uh, Houston versus Houston, comma, Sam. <laughs> same Houston, not good. Um Honestly, maybe this is why the BYU line is so low because everyone just can't get out of their heads what happened with BYU and St. Houston. But uh, we talked about it at the time and we, and we nailed it with St. Houston Air Force. St. Houston is going to play as slow as humanly possible. They want to minimize the possessions. Uh, they're going to do it again here against Houston. They are going to try to minimize the possessions. What does that mean? It means it's going to keep the game closer and it's more likely for them to cover just like they covered against Air Force and just like they covered against BYU because they're just not going to be enough possessions. There's a reason the total in this game is in the 30s. It should be really low. Um, We've got a situation where I think that Houston, uh, you know, the better team, but they've been so, um, you know, questionable early on uh, with the way they played against you know, UTSA, uh, the way they played against TCU, Houston is eyeing the possibility of being the worst team in the Big 12. Not that same Houston is good. Uh, if you just look at that offensive rating of a 66, it, it ranks 132nd. It's pathetic that there's a team below that. Uh, but, but you know, same Houston's going to prevent the big play. And if Houston struggled to score against TCU, Seemingly, they're going to struggle to score against Sam Houston as well. Model thinks that Houston, on average, wins this game by about 10, which is why we're going to grab the double digits with Sam Houston. And I'm not even sure if I think that that 10 makes sense. I would probably put this more at single digits because the model is not built to overreact too quickly. And I've mentioned this before. I'm very pleased with how Sideline has reacted uh, to Texas State and to uh, Colorado, two teams that have a bunch of transfers reacting to them. But in general, it's not built to react too fast. But this Houston team had a lot of concerns last year. The model looked at some of that and said, hey, we're expecting them to bounce back. They're a well-coached team. Dana Holgerson's been a good coach for a long time now. Uh, but they still seem like they have issues. And I'm not sure if Sam Houston's going to be able to pull the upset. Uh, but I do think they're going to be able to keep this a little bit closer uh, than the experts think. Uh, so plus 12 and a half gets a B grade from us. Because uh, Jared, uh, what is your uh, take on this game? Sam Houston, very good defense. Terrible offense. 
Houston, from what I've seen this year, I understand that you see a 109 there on the offense. What I would say is that does partially have to do with pace. They That's do all have, pace. <laughs> yeah, they do have one of the quicker paces. Number, the number seven in pace. Yeah, but man, the the offense is not efficient at all. And normally, I would say, or at least this this seems to be what this is how it works in my head. Usually, when a slower team plays a faster team, the it feels like the pace usually goes up a little bit. Like the faster team is usually able to kind of speed things up a little bit. I just Sam Houston is like in another league. Like they are almost uh, academy esque in, in how they can really slow the game down. And so it's a combination of just the way that Sam Houston plays. And I just do not like what I have seen from Houston offensively this season. I thought uh, Donovan Smith transferring from Tech would would cure some some not cure some of their ills. Clayton Tune was a good quarterback, but um yeah. he would be able to create enough plays for them where you wouldn't see much of a drop off. But man, it has not been great for sure. And you know, you mentioned that pace course in Houston dead last in pace. And part of again that pace is how slow you play, but it's also the explosion part. And that's, I think the thing with Sam Houston, they aren't going to get chunk yards because their offense is terrible. Mm -hmm. And the defensive style they play is meant to make you drive the length of the field. They are going to make you earn it. And so part of it is their defense is pretty good, especially for a a team that was FCS last year. I'm not going to say their defense is great. I mean, the 82 is is all about the pace, you know? Right. Um, But, but their defense is, reasonably you know they're they're reasonable for being an fcs school last year and they're again built to make it where we're not going to give up a quick touchdown and so far teams haven't really been able to um get quick touchdowns get, get you know get those quick plays and 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 that sort of thing and uh if you i don't know i just can't go back to if houston struggled to score against tcu uh yeah. same houston's gonna frustrate them uh, yeah. as well uh, yeah. with kind of just what they do. So yeah. uh, plus 12 and a half, pretty good value here uh, on my second of three alma maters. <laughs> uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Minnesota at Northwestern. Kind of a similar story here. Better team here in Minnesota, but Minnesota's pace ranks 128th, Northwestern 127th, their pace slash explosion. These teams... They play solid defense. They keep the ball in front of them. They don't get big plays. They play yeah. slow. Uh, yep. There's a reason this total is so low. Uh, model says 37. We're going to go under 38 and a half. Um, I mean, it feels like the only way a Northwestern game is going to get into the 40s is if they're playing a truly terrible team or they're playing a team that just destroys them. Otherwise, it feels like a game that's going to be like, you know, 24 to seven or something. It, it yep. just seems like it's going to be really hard to get in the forties. Cousin yep. uh, Jared, why do you like this under so much? Minnesota loves to just grind things to a halt. And Northwestern is more than happy to acquiesce that request. <laughs> uh, but both like neither of these teams, both of these teams want to play defense. Uh, offense is like, man, like who really cares if this game ended up 10 to nine, I think both coaching staffs would be perfectly happy. Uh, this yeah. is your stereotypical Big Ten slog it out uh, football. Uh, to, your, to your point, when the books hang a number in the 30s and sideline is still telling you that it should be lower, we've had a pretty, pretty good track record uh, of um, you know on, on plays like that this season. So this is one where I just kind of have full faith. Not only does it match what I see with my eyes, that it's going to be a low-scoring game, but sideline saying, hey, they hung a total this low, it should be even lower. And so that gives me all the confidence I need to say this is a play that you should have uh, come Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Minnesota, um, you know, defense is solid and they play slow. Northwestern's defense, I'm not even sure it's that good, actually, but they play at such a slow mm-hmm. pace uh, that, it, that it kind of masks that issue. And so that's why their uh, grade is that low. But you can see they kind of make up for it from a low total standpoint by just being so terrible on offense. They actually have a decent quarterback in Ben Bryant. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot else happening. They rank 127th at the running back position and 103rd uh, at the receiving core. That's terrible mm-hmm. for a big mm-hmm. 10 school they act like they don't belong in the big 10 it's kind of confusing mm-hmm. yeah um 
Moving along to Memphis versus Missouri. This game is going to be played in St. Louis uh, at the place that the Rams used to play in. Um, half home field advantage going to Missouri. It's going to feel more like a home game. They're going to have more fans there, but you lose a little bit of the home edge uh, by it not being your locker room, you know, your hotel that you're normally sleeping in the night before, as that's a thing, right? Um, your field, your playing surface, everything like that. So there will still be the fan edge there, so they're getting some edge. It's closer travel, but uh, it's still going to be a little bit less than the normal home field. Because the biggest thing for me on this game, Missouri, a great effort last week against Kansas State. Apparently, they talked about that all offseason after what Kansas State did to them. Um, a game that was a little bit closer than we thought it would be, and they, they pulled it mm -hmm. out late with a miraculous field goal. That has to take a lot out of you. Um, mm -hmm you know, coming off of something like that against a, a rival, a former conference rival, um, you know, it feels like um, Memphis isn't bad. Right behind them, in, in, according to sideline, uh, best offense uh, in, in this game here. But part, part of the, the ratings you see a little bit pace. Missouri plays a little bit slower. Uh, Memphis plays a little bit faster, but... I'm not convinced Missouri is that much better. We're going to grab the touchdown with Memphis. Be great pick. What do you think? <sighs> I guess we're going to do this. It's been week four, and I, I guess <laughs> I have to have to make a play on Memphis right yep. now, uh, as much as it pains me to to do so. Yes, part of this is a hangover from Kansas State. That was an unbelievably epic game. Kudos to Missouri for. Uh, pulling that one out and also in a way that I did not think they could win. I thought for sure that game would go under. Uh, I think Missouri's defense is really good. And so the fact that that game got into the to upper fifties kind of surprised me a, a little bit. Um, the thing is, and I want to call him Connor cook. It's, it's not Connor cook uh, because that was quarterback for Michigan Brady, State. Brady, Brady, cook. Brady cook. Yeah. Um, had a little bit of a Quinn Ewers situation where uh, couldn't hit the deep ball for for any of the season uh, and even last season at, at that uh, until Kansas State game. And then all of a sudden was making it rain. And so not only is there a, a, a hangover, I think, from that game, but also I think you're probably going to see a similar situation, a little bit of a letdown in quarterback play for Missouri here just because last week he played better than what he's played almost at any point in his career. Uh that's that's the biggest part of this, uh, and the fact that I'm getting seven points. Uh, Memphis, yeah. I, I have I have mostly given up on trying to predict what Memphis is going to do week to week. Um, the only thing I would say, though, um, I, you know, again, Missouri's defense is good. I don't have a lot of faith in their offense. I would probably lean under in this game, and so a game that I think is going to go under that makes getting touchdown even more appealing. And, you know, you mentioned Memphis being a little bit of a quirky team, and and I know there are examples where it's had to do with the spread, but a lot of Memphis's weirdness, I think, more so tends to lie in, um, you know, game going to triple overtime type yeah. nonsense or backdoor covers, weird things where they just like, they, they let off and let someone else score. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like the plus seven aligns as much with the crazy Memphis has gotten weird yeah. type story. I'm a little bit more concerned about laying points with Memphis. We kind of saw that last week. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a short week there in a game that, uh, you know, they made a bunch of mistakes and couldn't cover a big number. Um, not to see that get happen here, not to say with Memphis, they can't be, you know, down four trying to drive for, you know, the winning score and throw a pick six, right? Obviously right, sports right. are weird. Football is weird. That could happen. But I, I think that this is a more, uh, we have a better chance of avoiding the weirdness with Memphis. And I think the weirdness with Memphis is causing people to miss the fact that this is a good team. I think we're getting some extra value in this because people saw that game against Navy. There was only one other game yeah. on. Yeah. It was NFL game. There were like college games. And I think people are taking maybe a little bit too much from that, that Memphis has been a pretty good team here. Uh, you know, good players, you know, Seth Hennigan, uh, number 28 yep. ranked quarterback. I, I think this seems very solid. They're not a top 25 team, but they're solid. I think people are looking at Missouri last week. Great win. 
just a little bit overreacting to last week. Wallace um, okay. is 3.4 is what it should be. So we're getting some good value here, getting a full touchdown, which will take us to some after dark action, Kent State and Fresno State. Cousin Jared, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, our first run through what we're going to talk about, we weren't going to cover a late game. And you, you've been the after dark promoter mm-hmm. of this show from literally episode one, one episode yeah. two, I guess. Episode one was week zero. So episode two. Yeah. Yeah, um, you were trying to let the people. You were good to the people, giving them a daytime winner in baseball yesterday, the only day game, and you were nice to them. And now you tried to let them. And I, so I had to, I had to talk you into this one here. Yeah, um, yeah. Nineteen point eight is what the model says. Fresno State wins by the books say twenty seven and a half. I'm going to grab all these points with Kent State. Look, people, Kent State's not very good at football. Well aware of that. Here's also what I'm well aware of. Fresno State got five turnovers from Arizona State last week. They had to kick <laughs> field goals on a bunch of them. Uh, maybe they'll get five turnovers from Kent State. I don't know, but you can't count on that plus five differential. They also right, stopped right. Arizona State at the one-inch line on third down. I think the guy actually got into the end zone, and the, and the refs didn't call it, and then fourth down was like an incomplete or, or sack or something like that, so the fourth <laughs> down play was, was botched. But everything went right for Fresno state last week. And, and that was a good mm. performance for them. But like, and I know that Kent state's not very good, but also I don't think Arizona state's that good. And I just don't think you can count on all those good luck things happening again. Maybe they do, but Kent state's going to try to ugly this game up a little bit, slow it down a little bit. And I think Fresno state's solid right in 61. That's not bad for Mountain West school, but uh, you know, as bad as Kent state is, that's just a lot of points in a game that I'm just not sure unless Fresno state gets those, turnovers on the plus side of the field they're gonna be able to score enough to cover off this you know kid state's not gonna have to score but one or two times to be able to cover this number based off how many yep. points we think are gonna happen so uh cousin jared uh elaborate for us on our after dark special yeah so i i agree with your assessment of fresno state uh not saying they shouldn't have won that game but just uh, a lot of uh things that cannot specifically be replicated that happened they should have won a lot closer yeah yeah than it was it wasn't close and 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 then having to go to overtime to beat eastern washington the week before which eastern washington usually pretty solid fcs team but still when you're a team like fresno state you probably shouldn't be having too many problems with some are are they good this year oh i i i have no idea i'm just going off historically they they've been a pretty decent FCS. They teams. have been one of those teams in that conference, and I can't recall which one right now. So, but yeah, Eastern Washington last year went three and eight. Mm, okay, well, okay. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. This year they might be better. I don't know, but last year they went yeah. three and eight, and that's that is very surprising. They are usually a team that's making the yeah. second, third round of the playoffs. We get to see that, that fun red field, but uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Something yeah, yeah. And so I as well have concerns about Fresno State. Um, and the thing that I would reference in, in in this is there was another team that was plus five in turnovers one week, had to go to overtime uh, to win their game. So this was two weeks ago. They were plus five in turnovers, had to go to overtime to win their game. We backed that team last week and got our ass handed to us, and that was Mississippi State. Mm. And so I am thinking that maybe we might have a similar situation here with (laughs) Fresno State, where, of course, Kent State's one of the worst teams in FBS, yes, Fresno State probably still going to win this game, but it would yeah. not surprise me if we're looking up like at the end of the third quarter, and this is like a seventeen-point game, and we're all like, "Oh, uh, Fresno State, what what you doing here, uh, Bud? Why mm-hmm. why are you kind of messing around?" And it's just the fact that they've had a few lucky lucky breaks this year that have caused the games to play out the way they have. So, um, yeah, I can definitely get behind this just because I completely agree with what you said. Fresno State have had some strange things happen. I think they, def- they definitely win this game, but they're going to have to have some more strange things happen, I think, to win this by at least four touchdowns. I think, and you know, we're early in the season. This is where we talk about the, the value in early season betting can be you take a stance on the team. You take a stance backing a model that, that sees something. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, we're going to have a better idea. So we're going to know in four or five weeks, and you won't be able to find quite as much big value because uh, everyone will kind of be on the same page. Right now, we're, we're not. So there's a chance that Kent State is truly truly atrociously terrible and i don't mean ranked 130 i mean like should be ranked 150 terrible mm-hmm. it's, it's very possible uh mm-hmm. the way they got beat by ucf ucf's a pretty good team though john is probably a top 10 quarterback and I, I again i'm not saying that fresno state isn't good i think they're decent but I, you know mikey king has been okay i've got him ranked 63rd he's been he's been serviceable 
but he's he's no John Reese Plumley, right? Yeah. I think we could all agree on that. And you know, there's a chance that Kid State is just one of the worst teams ever, and they lose this game by 40 points. And if so, I think we're going to have to kind of acknowledge going forward they might be one of the worst teams ever. That sort of thing, right? Yep. In reality, that's not likely. It's likely that they're just terrible. And mm-hmm. if you're thinking about these terrible teams, there's times to back them. And the times to back them are when they're playing a team who is good, not great, maybe going to play a little bit slower. So it's going to be harder to blow them out. um, Mm -hmm. And you're getting a crap ton of points. And so this is that time. You don't want to always just take bad teams, right? You know, uh, but there are times to take them. This seems like the right time uh, where we're going on a limb is assuming that Kitt State isn't one of the five worst teams of this century. You know, and maybe they are, but yeah. assuming they aren't, uh, they ought to be able to hang around and, uh, you know, maybe those by 28, maybe those by 31. Right. But, but they ought to be able to hang around this number, um, and not get completely embarrassed, lose by 50, like they did to UCF. Cause I just think UCF's a much better team, uh, yeah. than Fresno state is. So, uh, 27 points, pretty good value there. Cause Jared, that is our show. Do you have parting words for the viewer? I mean, sign up for Dub Club. If you have enjoyed uh, what you've seen here, you can go to Dub Club. And somehow, after I said I was not going to talk about every single FBS game every single week like we did last season, here I am sitting down every Wednesday night. Uh, recording Wednesday night comes available uh, late Wednesday night for Dub Club people. I talk about every – we talk about every FBS game. Uh, every single week. So if you've enjoyed this, uh, sign up for Dub Club. There is a lot more – content uh there for for college football yep all right well said and that does it for us uh we'll let the music take us out and we will see y'all later